Welcome to Success Stories brought to you by SNS Activewear. I'm your host, Marshall Atkinson, and this is the podcast that focuses on what's working so you can have success too. A lot of revenue streams have dried up due to the COVID-19 situation. Many businesses have been forced to pivot into a new direction. Today, we're going to discover how one company has found success with new opportunities. We'll be talking about this with Danny Rosen and Robert Fiveash with BrandFuel. They're the leaders of a free-spirited brand merchandising agency that delivers experiences, e-commerce, inspiration, and results, all while having fun along the way. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's dig into how they're having success in these turbulent times. Danny and Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Marshall. Hey, Marshall. Thank you. All right. You ready to dig in? Let's get going. Giddy up. All right. So first <laughs> off, I want to talk about brand fuels. Just to give some background on your business. So let's describe your partnership, unique viewpoint, and what you are known for best. Yeah, I'll start with the uh, the origin story. It started a little bit before Robert and I connected. I think like so many others, it started when I was in college. My parents taught me a lesson about having to cover my some of my out-of-state college tuitions while I went to UNC Chapel Hill. And I think if you look really far back, you can say that uh, my love for that university and my, my hatred for the university right down the road, Duke University, uh, manifested itself in what Brand Fuel is today to some extent. But because I had to cover the college tuition gap, I was out selling anti-Duke t-shirts door-to-door at basketball games, you know, running from the campus uh, security, building a little sales force, uh, navigating design, juggling all the inventory crazy that we all know about in this industry. Uh, I never paid taxes. I never got my designs licensed by UNC. I don't think I knew any better. Uh, if I did, I, I might not have done that anyway. But Many of the designs that I was selling door to door were probably too raunchy to get approved by the university anyway. And as a side note, they were so bad that someone told me once I had a built-in repeat order system because students' moms would throw their t-shirts away when they came home for breaks and they'd come back and buy another one. I met a, uh, a, a local printer named Odie Kimball, just a great guy, long hair, warmed over flower child type of guy. Taught me a lot about culture, uh, design, the amazing craft of printing, uh, which I learned when I was uh, working with him after college. So that was my first job. I started selling to the college markets and then into corporations and to corporate markets. And uh, Odie and I grew the business a lot, but um, my ambition, I think, got the best and the worst of me. And after eight years, it became time to have what a lot of people would say is an entrepreneurial seizure. You know, do my own thing, take the high road and leave uh, the company I worked with and help build up you know, adhere to the non-compete, leaving a lot of client relationships behind, which was very hard. Uh, and I knew I couldn't go it alone successfully. And I, I desperately needed someone who had a better grasp of finance and operations, but also had a really keen eye on sales and marketing. And, and Robert was that guy on so many levels. I uh, just graduated from business school and uh, sort of looking back at our friendship, you know, and, and where we are now, we have a very lucky uh, yin-yang kind of relationship you know, Ben and Jerry's, Keith and Mick, you know, we've got a rocket as a logo. So Orville and Wilbur comes comes to mind. Our best partnership comparison is probably Patterson Hood and Mike Cooley, uh, Robert's favorite band, the Drive-By Truckers is a reference there. 
after 38 years of friendship and 22 years of those in business together, I'm, you know, I'm proud and humbled to say we're still at it uh, and that it's not always easy, but uh, the history, the love, the respect is very deep rooted. And together we set out to be renegades in this commoditized space with a really talented uh, staff who will help us carry the brand uh, into the world with integrity, creativity, hard work, deep knowledge, and, and like you said earlier, having some fun along the way. And ultimately we found that with mystery comes margin. And so doing things differently takes a lot of work and it's worth it even when we, we try and we fail. And, and I think Robert's gonna talk a little bit about that. Man, Danny, that was, uh, that was, that was good. That was very good. It's taking me back. That's good. Well, Marshall, I wanted to talk just a minute about sort of our USP and what uh, you know what what we're sort of known for today. Danny did a, a fantastic job of a bit of the background, and a lot of that DNA is you know still with us, whether it's art and music or making sure we're having fun with our employees. Um, you know, I want to point to an early example of something that's that's um, kind of stuck with us for the last 22 years. We, uh, in 1999, we had the opportunity, we started in 98, and in 99, we had the opportunity to build an online store for one of the largest local companies, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. And um, we did not know what we were doing. Um, we knew uh, that we needed technology for this. We knew it was going to be expensive, and we knew the value of an online store. We, we knew that that was kind of the future of, of, of promo in so many ways, certainly you know, for, for what we were looking to do. And um, we built this thing 20 years ago. Um, it probably cost, what, Danny, 60 grand or so at the time. Yeah, this was uh, a huge... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was a lot of money for us as a brand new company. Um, the same software today, if it existed, would you know be fifteen dollars a month or something. I mean, it's ubiquitous now. But it was, it was a real um, lesson for us that that we still sort of uh, live today. And that was investing in technology and making sure that our clients understand that we're as much a technology company as as a creative branding company. And so, you know, I think the things that we are most known for would be the, the creativity and the creative services that we provide, but also the fact that we're a technology company. And that's, you know, huge for us, huge for us. Our online store is kind of the beating heart of our operations. And so a lot of the creative services that we have, you know, whether it's virtual swag or kitting or, or survey fuel or any of these things that we've come up with over the years to broaden our scope, all of these things run through the online store and it's part of what we do and it's part of what our clients expect of us. So um, that is the story there. So in reality, I guess the way to put it is that through the years, you have built your process, right? So that's consistent, it's predictable, it's repeatable, it's the backbone of your company and, and that is your online store. Would you say that that's a fair statement? I, I would say that's a fair statement. It's, it's something that uh, it's a department that we have had to invest in throughout. Um, we probably have more people working in the online store department today than, than we ever have. We've got real professionals that run it rather than, you know, the two of us trying to, trying to, to, to be at the helm as, as people who appreciate technology but aren't technologists. We've brought in folks that actually understand the technology and that's been a, a game changer for us. So over the years, what's been your biggest struggle with that? 
Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, Danny, step in at any time. But I would say that the biggest challenge is not the technology piece. It's understanding which opportunities are real. So, you know, some we have really good SEO and we've got folks probably two, three, four, four or five times a week asking us about our online store services. It's actually really, really impressive. We're, we're, we're lucky to have it. And so we have lots of opportunities every week. And the biggest challenge, I think, I would say, Danny, is is vetting these in a way that doesn't preoccupy our time with with opportunities that might look good on paper. But once you get to the nuts and bolts, it's you know potentially a several weeks or a month of, of wasted time where it seemed like a one hundred, three hundred, five hundred thousand dollar opportunity, but at the end of the day, it was you know potentially a, a misunderstanding. And and we've all um, you know, we've all spent the time to try to vet these folks. I think that's probably the biggest challenge of the online store department. It's certainly not the, the technology piece. I guess the, the second biggest challenge would be the international aspect of it. And that's something that we're really trying to put put some focus on. I mean, it's something that's a challenge for every company that does international fulfillment, but it is something that we've, to be honest with you, we've lost business over. You know, we've, we've, we've 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 had um, we've had situations with great local clients where we've done pretty much everything perfectly for them, and then we we can't manage the the international piece of it. So I don't think we're that different than other folks that do this. Um, I think any company that is is telling you that they can get product, you know, apparel or what have you from from the U.S. to Europe without extra expense or extra stress is is probably not really telling you the truth. But it is something that we're putting a lot of focus on today. Okay. And what's really unique, and Danny, help me out here, you guys uh, operate in two completely different states, right? We do. We do. Um, and we've actually got five locations, so, and even a, a operations in the UK right now. So that's helping us with that challenge Robert mentioned. That made it, uh, this whole COVID thing, a lot easier because we're so used to working remote and trying to get our teams together. And But yeah... Robert and I started out in the office together, which was amazing and, and sometimes hard. But I think, you know, this virtual world that we're living in right now, we, we've actually, before COVID happened, he and I would be online uh, in the virtual world doing uh, Teams or Zoom uh, every day as if we were in each other's office like we were when we started the business. So uh, we could tap each other's shoulders when we had a question. That's um, a real good idea. I think it's a good takeaway for business partners or where you're trying to connect with folks in the C-suite or your department uh, to leave it on all day long. Um, Robert's probably caught me picking my nose a, a couple times, uh, but uh, <laughs> you know I've watched him eat a sandwich not so gracefully. So there's trade-offs. <laughs> That's great. So this is, a, this is a good segue into my next question, which is, it's really a before and after time. So talk about where things stood pre-pandemic and where things are heading now. So what is working best for you guys currently? Well, Marshall, I'll, I'll give a quick description of, of how things were before. And I, I don't know whether we were, we were that different than most companies in this industry. Things were just booming. Um, you know, before March 15th, Everything looked fantastic from from our perspective. Like I mentioned, the the SEO we had kind of per perfected that, tweaked it, and we're getting a, an enormous number of these leads that we we're we were uh, having great success in, in turning into opportunities. Our best sales year by far. We've been up probably 20% per year for the last three or four years. 
very little turnover. I think our average employee had, I think, 11 years of, of tenure with us. So, I mean, that was just fantastic on so many levels. Really, really good growth and, and, and really fantastic opportunities. The, probably the biggest move we made in the last, you know, leading up to COVID was opening an office in, Danny mentioned, one in London and one in Boston. And all of those opportunities were just full tilt. March 15th happened, and here we are. Yeah, and I guess I'll sort of take it from there. Robert and I were talking about this this uh, sort of what was, which is what Robert talked about, and the is, which is right now, and I think the will be. And while we don't have uh, you know the crystal ball, I mean, sort of give a little insight onto, into that as well. But in a times right now, the is part of this question, Marshall, it's admittedly really challenging. Uh, I just, I think we would want to be honest and let people know that we're struggling in a lot of ways at the same time. Um, we're having some some big wins as well. I, I think we're having those wins. We've had some of our largest orders in our history uh, during this time, uh, some which are PPE related and some that are non-PPE related. So like many companies, we wonder how sustainable PPE is, and we're doing everything we can to triple down on non-PPE sales because we're not sure that will be sustainable. But we've also had these just, I would say, too many goose egg sales days along the way. So it's this uh, roller coaster of emotions and our sales numbers as far as book numbers every day as we track it like that. It's just a, an up and down kind of thing. Our margins have slipped. I think some of that is because we we did really, we did the right thing in regards to offering some discounts on PPE and do the right thing as a company uh, early on. But interestingly, year over year, we're in pretty good shape. You know, we're well capitalized. We had a really good first quarter. So we're not down that far year over, down that much year over year, uh, but we're just not sure what the horizons uh, look like for us and, um, and the rest of the industry. Robert mentioned employees and, and you know, the 11 year average tenure, which I think we're most proud of. I think we're also proud that um, to date we haven't had any layoffs. You know, we've got a lot of people that are really counting on us and we're counting on them. So we're working really hard to try and do the right thing in regard to taking care of employees and trying to keep them uh, on the rocket ship, so to speak. And, and they're just such a great group of people. They're committed. And I think they're the ones that are going to help us get through this and then I think the last part of this is the will be, and uh, you know, I think reimagining what brand fuel will look like in the coming years. I think uh, we can touch on that a little bit later specifically, but you know, we're trying to empower our teams to drive the change a bit, uh, which helps with buy-in and, and how that works is us asking them what they want to see out of the company, what their ideas are, uh, what they think we should be and how we should sell this product uh, once you know, we get out of this and while we're in it as well. So it's this bottom up versus top down approach Robert mentioned before. And then the last thing I think we're, we're really relying on partnerships a lot more. I think when we got into the industry, we realized it's a very territorial type of industry and people were very protective of sales and, you know, who they were selling to their clients. And, you know, one of the things that we all do on this call is, is you know, we help with Promo Kitchen and, and, and the leadership roles in the boardroom there, that organization is about uplifting the industry as a nonprofit that's doing good uh, for the industry by sharing best practices. And, and Robert and I have had the good fortune to start another organization called Reciprocity Road, which is a buying collective of nine companies, $200 million in spend. And also we are um, the United States representative for the International Partnerships for Premiums and Gifts, which is IPAG for short. And those communities, Promo Kitchen, IPAG, Reciprocity Road, 
even PPAI, ASI, there are communities now where you know, we can look uh, to each other to help and grow our way out of this. I like that a lot. And I'm a big proponent of the phrase, uh, the most human company wins. And it's just about seeing people in opportunities as a person, as a, like a human level, instead of that corporate speak, you know what I'm saying? Truth. Love it. Marshall, on that note, you know, the, one of the things that we did um, on the, on the human level that, that I just wanted to mention, I think it's a, a good time to mention it. We, I guess, standing what, three or four years ago when the tragic shooting in Vegas, when, when was that in specific? Was that three years ago? I think it was 2018, fall 2018, maybe. Okay, so maybe, maybe not quite three years ago. It really touched us in a, in a lot of ways. We wanted to do something with our team because they were, they were traumatized by it as well. Um, it was a, obviously at a concert, at a music event, just a tragic evening, and we wanted to use apparel to kind of make a statement about that and how music, uh, music can't, be, can't be taken off. You know, you can't, it, it can't be put down, and it certainly can't be silenced. And so we, we created something called the, the Band Fuel, um, rather than band, uh, Brand Fuel, the Band Fuel Project. And what we did was we had all of our folks, I think, you know, Danny, how many, what, 25 or 30 folks at the time actually participated. Um, we took short one, two-minute videos of our employees and their favorite band tee and uh, T-shirt, and they described what the artist that was on the T-shirt meant to them. And I will say it was one of the um, uh, probably the most meaningful things that I participated in at, at Brand Fuel. And I don't know how many, uh, you know, these things, none of these things actually went viral or anything, but that wasn't the purpose. I mean, the purpose was for us to express the power of music on our medium, on T-shirts. And it really, really was a, a, a fantastic project. And I would encourage anybody who might be interested in seeing how to pull something like this off Check out the Band Fuel Project on our website. Um, really, really was meaningful to all of us. I love that. I love that. And T-shirts, I think, really kind of dig into people's memories. And that's the reason why a lot of people get a shirt when they go to a concert or they order a shirt from the band's website is because they want to show that they're aligned with that emotional link to the music. And I really love that for all those reasons you suggested. So that was great. Like what you hear so far? Be sure to subscribe so you can get the latest from success stories. And now here's Meg Erber with the SNS Spotlight. Hey, Meg Erber here from SNS Activewear. While we're on the subject of sustainability and keeping products out of the brand fill, it brings me to my favorite go-to hoodie the independent trading midweight hooded sweatshirt, the SS4500. Now, there are multiple reasons why it's my favorite. It's not just because of the fit or the softness or even the price, but because of the quality of the fabric and construction. It has actually become a lifetime brand for me. And lifetime brands mean less waste in our landfills. Okay, so here's the deal on this hoodie. This super soft fleece visually has a ton of retail street credit. Right off the bat, you notice the flat retail grade draw cords. It has a fashion cut and it's side seam. Broken down for the customer, it's simple. When they go to wash their favorite hoodie, it doesn't shrink and bunch up at the bottom. 
Now let's take a look under the hood. This fleece is an 80-20 blend with 100% cotton face, which makes for a clean, crisp imprint similar to what you would find in retail. It's also a screen printer and DTGer's dream fabric. So if you haven't checked out independent trading or even this hoodie, what are you waiting for? Let's swap out whatever you were selling before with the SS4500 and watch your customer's eyes light up when you see that exact moment, their vision becomes a lifetime brand. Many typical customer challenges that you have had a history of solving might be changing. So what do you see as new areas of opportunity and what is driving that new success? Gosh, one of the biggest challenges that we've always had and it, and it, and it exists in pre-COVID and, and post-COVID is the fact that some of the product that we sell in this, in this industry ends up in the landfill. And uh, I don't know if, Danny, if, if Jamie Mayer was the originator of brand fill, but, let's um, give him, but he let's certainly... Let's give him credit. Well, let's, yes, let's give him credit for that. But Marshall, brand fill obviously is, uh, is the you know, negative side of what we do, that a, a portion of what we sell ends up in the landfill. And I think, you know, as we move into an environment where clients potentially have less to spend because there's so much uncertainty out there, they are even more in tune with ROI. And they're even more in tune with the fact that the, the product that we sell them, whether it's apparel or whether it's uh, hard goods, it's got to last. And it's got to be something that they, you know, put on and wear and, and bring eyeballs to the, to the T-shirt or the polo shirt or whatever it might be. And so that is something that um, is very important to us. And we've had a, a longstanding, I guess, somewhat tongue-in-cheek policy um, that we, we will <laughs> we will fire our employees if they sell stress balls. You know, that is, that is the prototypical product that will end up in the landfill or eaten by the dog or, you know, in the trash or what have you. And so that piece of it really isn't going away for us. It might be morphing a bit. I think the fact that um, folks are on a limited budget post-COVID or, or during COVID is something that's um, something that's that's going to stay with us and, and we don't really have to pivot all that much on that it's always been something that's, that's important to us i think the the other thing that sticks with us is the fact that we're we're sort of seen as a challenger agency so what, what i mean by that is um, the discovery process that we go through with the client really isn't going to change you know pre-covid during COVID or post-COVID, we're asking why during that discovery process. Why do you want stress balls? Why do you want, you know, the, the, the piece of plastic that might end up in the landfill? And oftentimes we're convincing the client that what they've chosen really doesn't fit. You know, it might be that that's what they ordered last time, or that might be what their, their uh, you know, the person who was in the job before might order. They just wanted to do a, an easy reorder. And it's our job, we feel, to challenge that customer and to make sure that they're brave in their decision. We've got a, a sort of a secondary tagline and, and mark, uh, be brave. And what we mean by that is be brave in your choices. So I don't think that stuff is going to change all that much. We don't have to pivot a ton when it comes to our core principles in, in terms of how we sell. But I think Danny's going to get into a few things where we, we actually have pivoted pretty remarkably to some good success. Yeah. So it's, it's more about unlocking 
the results that somebody's after and not necessarily how to logify something. Definitely. I mean, I think you, you yeah, you said, said it nicely and, and succinctly. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there, there are other challenges though, too, on that note, you know, we believe that connection kind of like you were talking about earlier, Marshall, the connection to a lot of brands is much harder without a human to human relationship. It's really tough to embolden a relationship in person when you could conceivably kill someone through COVID. You know, it's a scary freaking time for all of us. And so we've tried to create solutions around that. So it's tripling down on the virtual world. You know, how do you create ways to enhance virtual engagement? I remember the first, was it happy hour, Zoom happy hour I was invited to. I was like, hell yeah, I made my drink. I got all excited. I got my logo drinkware. And then within three weeks, I had been invited to more freaking social happy hours. Uh, I just, I was, I was tired of them. It got exhausted. So now it's an opportunity for us to triple down in that world. And when all these Zooms are happening, uh, these meetings like we're doing now around virtual engagement, how do we connect with customers there? How do we help our customers connect with their customers and their employees? And you got to just think about how do you do that before? How do you do it during? How do you do it after these events? And you can insert promotional products to get them to enjoy and be a part of the event uh, during the event for engagement. You can give away promotional products after event. You could thank them for being a part of it. Uh, and it, it's the great connector and reminder of an experience or the brand, this, this thing that we sell, right? And that's one thing. I think the other is realizing that home is the new domain. You know, so creating products and services around that is something we've done a lot of. I think if we're honest, also um, budgets have been strained, um, not just for us, but for our clients. And so the real question, I think this is what Robert was talking a little bit about too, uh, you know, do we really have and believe in the power of our medium? You know, are we confident enough that it can help uh, staff be more productive? Do we really think promotional products and customer apparel can enhance the sales pipeline? You know, are we apologetic about uh, what we're selling and focusing on price and we're not, you know, confident enough. And I think the idea here is do great work and you'll have a better chance at getting a share of budget or maybe even increasing budget if you're confident enough and you're thinking about that ROI you mentioned. And then the last point is, you know, that I think we're all thinking about right now is, is that for most companies, diversity is a real challenge. Uh, and so as people begin to vote with their dollars, with companies who focus on corporate social responsibility, uh, companies that have a diverse supply chain, diverse employee base, um, how they take care of those people uh, and offer sustainable products, you know, products that are meant to last, there's a real opportunity right there to step up and stand out and do the right thing. I love it. That's great. That's great. All right, so let's wrap up with the last question. And I think it's about the future, right? So I think many people would hit that fast forward button to get to January if we could. I know I would, right? <laughs> Lastly, so yeah. how do you guys see things working toward the end of 2020 and then heading into 2021? What creative tools or thinking or planning are you guys doing right now between now and the end of the year and maybe q1 of next year perfect perfect so marshall we i guess about three weeks ago four weeks ago maybe um we had the idea of pulling in a moderator to talk to our sales team about what 
brand fuel 2.0 might look like. So we were concerned about the gap in, in sales and knew that this was not going to be quick. And we wanted to make sure that we could offer our sales team additional tools or products or services or ideas that would allow them to, with their with their own you know individual market inside our business, um, try to help fill that gap. So if you know, sales were 10 and they're five now, you know, how do we get from five to 10? And so we brought in a moderator who spent probably an hour and a half with the entire team. And each salesperson was asked to bring five new ideas to the meeting. It was a, a Zoom meeting. And these were ideas that might uh, we might be able to monetize, and you know it ranges ranges from you know augmenting an existing department or hiring a you know new graphic person or you know enhancing kitting or whatever it might be or something completely sort of off the rails and different. And um, we got I think close to a hundred ideas, and it really really was a, a fascinating process and everybody took it seriously which I think was was very important to us so we were happy about that but um, we went through that process had people defend their their top ideas and probably tomorrow we will have whittled these things down to the top three ideas and so essentially we took took those hundred Danny and I narrowed it down five, and then we had this the team you know, bet on the idea. So you know, put 20 bucks on your top one, 10 on the middle one, and five on your third third best one. It's sort of, you know, funny money. And we've got that list now. The timing of that was really, really good. I'm really glad we did it. I'm really glad people took it seriously. But we're just in the process now of, of showing the team this week what those top ideas were. And so I think we, um, timing-wise, we understood that this was going to be serious. And I think we did a good job of, of pulling in the folks and making them feel vested in sort of the, the recovery process. I think some of the, you know, a couple of biggest of the biggest things that we're looking at in terms of the second half of the year, what does PPE look like? Danny mentioned it, you know, is that something that fades away? Um, is it something that, uh, you know, the, the big medical, uh, you know, hospital supply companies take that over and, and we're left with the dregs? Um, is it something that becomes much more creative, you know, with design? And that's our hope is, is that um, it will become something that is part of our, uh, you know, our toolkit. And it's something that, you know, once the design factor that once that element is part of it, 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 it ends up being something that is, you know, a perfect fit for a company like us. So we're excited about that. The other thing that's kind of cool is the online store piece that's always been key for us is really now essential. Danny mentioned work from home. And there has to be a way to get these kits and these thank yous to people working from home. And the best way we have found for clients to do that is through a, a kitting or fulfillment project through our online stores. And so that's a big piece of it as well. But I, but again, the, the Brand Fuel 2.0 exercise, I think, has set us uh, on a path that, uh, of, of kind of discovery that we're going to see how it pans out for the next six months. And let me add to that real quick. I, Robert had mentioned, because I think this is so spot on, he was talking about like PPE and, and having it look pretty and be more fashionable and functional. I just I think there's something there that, that may happen. And you know, you're starting to see this in certain cities and uh, where it's becoming illegal not to wear it uh, and use it right now. And um, 
who knows what'll happen, but maybe that there's a little bit of a longer tail around that. But I, but I love what he said about the fashion side of it. I think there's going to be an erosion around just slapping a logo on a product. I think people who receive promotional products and custom apparel, I think they want the product, not the fat logo that's emblazoned on it. I mean, some brands, maybe you want that logo on there and it's sort of like the price you pay to get the freebie. Uh, but I think there should be a shift from big logo branding to focusing on great design and messaging. You know, beautiful design on a product with a small logo or URL, uh, maybe your logo in the, in the label or at the hip or something is going to be much better received and probably used, which makes the end recipient happier. And I think that's what we're all looking for. And so I think there's that. And my only other point about maybe I would add to Robert's great you know, list there of, of what's happening as we move into the future in promo and apparel I, I mentioned it before, I think sustainability is going to be the new product safety. You know, as an industry, I think PPAI did a phenomenal job focusing on that several years ago, but now I think it's all about sustainability. I think it's time to educate our clients around sustainable products in our space. Uh, like Robert said, no more brand fill. You know, would you rather buy a pen that lasts for a couple of months for 99 cents or a pen that lasts for years for $2? And I think there's a conversation around that. If you want the t-shirt that's gonna, you know, get get tossed once someone wears it the first time or, or it's or someone's favorite shirt. And as if we can start to consider the lifetime value of products um, and, and the fact that someone will wanna wear something that's, you know, maybe more expensive and lasts longer uh, and has stronger impressions uh, for the end recipient as well as the person who gave it away. I think there's some opportunity there, but would it be cool if, if you, uh, to see suppliers sort of test products before they go to the marketplace and they put a lifetime value on them? You know, talk about a differentiator for them, but also for us as salespeople. I think it could drive margins and, and increase the number of impressions for brands ultimately. So I think suppliers who are listening, think about lifetime value of product. I think it all comes down to perspective, Danny. So, you know, if you're in customer sees your corporation or your business or whatever, you guys have to be in alignment. It has to fit. Is that company the cheapest absolute rock bottom person in their whole market, well, then you're giving away the freebie crap that you see everywhere. But if you're not that person, if you're a higher value corporation, then the products that they're using for promotion, I think has to fit where you are in your, in your industry. And you can't, it has to be in alignment with what you normally do. You can't just be the cheapest thing because you've got you only have a dollar fifty to spend, and, and that doesn't make any sense. It, it, and I think it needs to be more in alignment with the end result of how that customer is ultimately going to perceive you. That's where we should be heading, and making sure that that value is kind of built into whatever their product or their apparel, whatever that we're trying to market. Well said. So hey, thank you both so much for your time today. It was fantastic learning how you've charted a new success for brand fuel. So if a listener wants to learn more about what you do or how you can deliver success to them, what is the best way to contact you? Robert5ash.com. <laughs> <laughs> DannyRosen.org. Yeah. No, just go to brandfuel.com. You'll find info ad and marketing ad. And 
Robert, Robert and I are both on the front lines of sales and business development. We love talking to customers and seeing what the problems and challenges are. So when you go to our website, although it's, it's uh, big and beastly and, and, and we've got lots of employees and, and people working all over for us, um, we, we are the frontline recipient to that info at, we, which is taxing, but awesome. You'll find us and we're happy to chat with anybody who uh, wants some input to help grow their business or just wants to chat about you know ways to improve this industry. Awesome. Great. Any last minute words or thoughts? On behalf of both of us, Brand Fuel, our staff, this, this industry, thank you so much for uh, the invitation to share. Awesome. All right. Hey, thanks. And we got, we'll catch you guys next time. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the latest Success Stories episodes. Have any suggestions for future guests or topics? Send them my way at marshall and marshallatkinson.com. And we'll see you next time.